so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome back to another episode of Weekly Tech, a technology and ethics podcast focused on navigating this digital age with wisdom. Weekly Tech is brought to you by the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and I'm your host, Jason Thacker. Each Monday, we dive into the most pressing and talked about technology stories in order to keep you up to date and equipped for the week ahead. Alongside this podcast, we also have an email newsletter version of Weekly Tech that you can subscribe to at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech where you'll receive this weekly briefing via email each Monday morning. You can also grab the links of the stories we talk about in the show notes where you subscribe to the podcast. For the lead story this week, we talk about whether or not your church should use facial recognition technology. This is actually one of the most common questions that I receive from churches about technology and ethics. And every few months I end up doing an interview or have a question come in on whether this is a good idea or not. But if we're honest, technologies like this can seem like a far-off dream that you haven't really even considered the possibility of using in your church or ministry. But in light of a lot of the questions surrounding regathering after this pandemic as the church, increased social distancing, added security and health risk, and even the need for new member assimilation, there will be an increasing pressure on church leaders to explore these type of technologies and tracking tools in order to keep people safe and connected. Facial recognition technology is becoming more and more popular every day and very well might be used in some public places or even your workplace soon. And the question is, is should this technology be used in our church buildings? Before the pandemic, there was a company called ChurchX that began offering facial recognition technology to churches. It was promoted as a tool for better member assimilation and attendance tracking. And for some, this only made sense to use such a tool because it would help to better connect people to the life of the church. But for others, this caused a lot of fear and hesitation because of how these tools have been in the news recently and with issues such as policing, racial bias, and even error rates. But you're likely already using some type of membership program, such as Church Community Builder, Fellowship One, or ACS, to track data on your members and your attendees. Back when I was in college, I actually served as one of the pastoral interns and kind of the resident tech guy on staff, and I was put in charge of transitioning our church over to Fellowship One for a database and children's check-in system. We had these little barcodes on keychains that parents and students would use to check in and get their name tags for that gathering. These systems helped us to know who was there that day, but also if someone was consistently missing or even if we had a security issue come up. So is facial recognition really the logical next step in our churches? I think it depends, and that's okay. One of my friends, Christopher Binnick, is a proponent of this technology and argues that churches have long struggled to connect with members and first-time visitors. He argues that welcoming visitors and helping them to connect quickly to the church can encourage them to visit again and even better assimilate into the life of the local church. 
You are already likely using facial recognition technology every single day to unlock your smartphone, maybe in airport security through the popular Clear Me technology. And for all of you Swifties out there, Taylor Swift has been using it at her concerts. So why wouldn't we just extend the applications to the life of the local church, especially if they allow us to serve people and welcome visitors more effectively? You can imagine, using these type of tools in your church, you might be able to identify a new family as they walk up to your church building and then automatically provide them with a first-time visitor kit, a map of the church campus, and gathering times for children's church. You could automate and digitize, saving time and effort from countless volunteers. Your security team could identify a criminal suspect or maybe even a strange family member who's not allowed to be around a certain family or might cause them harm. The idea is that dreams like this will become more and more of a reality as this type of technology becomes cheaper and more accurate each day. But as church leaders, we must be really thoughtful about implementing tools like this and putting the needs of our people before these potential benefits. Obviously, there's a growing concern over facial recognition in our community. Some feel that it's too much like a big brother type system. There are fears on how these tools could be misused and abused for nefarious purposes. Even in places like Brazil, these tools are being used with promises of being able to pick up on the frequency of someone's visits, their moods, or even their age and gender. Is that too much for our local churches? Is that too invasive into our personal privacy? The important thing for church leaders to remember here is that we are to know our people personally and to think through how they might perceive the use of these type of tools in our church gatherings before adopting them in the first place. For many, it's going to stir fear because of the current cultural moment, especially with the breakdown of social trust and these personal privacy concerns. People hear about cyber attacks, server breaches, and increased racial profiling and bias occurring with the use of these technologies every day. And ministry leaders are called to care for people where they are and to provide a safe and open space for people to hear the word of God preached and to gather together with the local body. Given the increased debates over the role of facial recognition technology in our communities, the outright bans of this technology in certain places around our nation, and even the personal privacy debates in our nation, I personally think it's wise to slow down in the adopting of these type of technologies in the gathered body of the church until we can have a more honest and open dialogue with people. There are bound to be countless questions and concerns that people might have about how does this technology work? Where is the data stored? How secure is it? Who has access to it? What about our local and state guidelines concerning this type of biometric data? The local church is called to be a place where people should feel loved and cared for by their leaders, and we should not be putting up stumbling blocks or distractions for people, especially with technology that has so many questions surrounding it. We cannot allow these promises of these technologies to create better and tighter communities to actually be a substitute for the hard work of connecting, loving, and serving one another personally. My encouragement to you is to seek to embrace the benefits of various technologies, even facial recognition, but also be aware of the potential downfalls, fears, and misuses of these tools because we as God's people are called to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves as we read in Matthew 10, 16. If you want to read more about this technology in the local church, make sure to check out the show notes or the email briefing for the link to the recent article that I have up at Facts and Trends on this very topic. We'll also have links for ChurchX and my friend Christopher's article that we talked about earlier. Also, let us know what you're thinking about this technology in your local church. You can send me an email at weeklytech at erlc.com. If you've been enjoying Weekly Tech recently, would you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen? If you leave us a review and email us a screenshot along with your address, we'll make sure to send you a limited edition Weekly Tech coffee mug as a thank you. This is limited to the first 50 reviewers, so make sure to email us now at weeklytech at erlc.com. 
Next up is the rundown, where we focus on four different technology stories that you should be aware of as you prepare for the week ahead. First up is a story from The Verge, where Uber has won an appeal against a London ban. London's Uber ban was recently overturned when the company appealed in court. This decision grants the popular ride-sharing service a license to operate within London for the next 18 months. The ruling found that Uber had adequately improved some of its concerning practices that prompted the ban in the first place. Previously, unauthorized drivers could actually upload photos to other Uber driver accounts, and this led to a handful of drivers sharing their profiles with other people, allowing illegitimate drivers to appear as if they had genuine authorization from Uber. An investigation into the matter estimated that over 15,000 rides in London were given by the wrong driver over the last 15 months. Even though it appears that Uber has taken satisfactory precautions to prevent this type of event from taking place, we can actually learn a lot from this story. It shows us that as technology services add a lot of convenience to our lives, there are also plenty of individuals who seek to exploit the popularity of these apps for their own personal gain, potentially endangering innocent users. In a fallen world, the corruption and misuse of services like Uber is far too common, and Christians should be mindful of this reality next time you grab a ride. Next is a story from the BBC about the United States 2020 presidential election and social media's nightmare scenario. Social media executives, including Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, have expressed concern over potential unrest because of the abnormal amount of votes that are expected to be cast by mail due to COVID-19. The time between the closing of the polls and the official announcement of the winner could be a few days or even a few weeks. During this period of waiting, there's a growing fear that social media could play a role contributing to civil unrest. Fake news, misinformation, premature announcements of victory, or even a refusal to accept the election results could create a lot of unrest on social media where passionate and hostile rhetoric has already become increasingly common. Google, Facebook, and Twitter have all announced additional measures to regulate political advertisements following Election Day in an attempt to cool these tensions. While nothing is certain, the concerns expressed by these companies should remind us to take extra care on social media, especially in the coming weeks and months. While these platforms are very useful for connecting with loved ones and friends, they can also be a place of toxic and dangerous dialogue. During a time when politics can easily become an idol for so many people, Christians must be even more aware and disciplined in their social media practices, remembering to use these platforms in ways that glorify God and show love to our fellow man. Next up is a story that we've talked a lot about here on Weekly Tech as it continues to develop about how a judge has recently ruled that TikTok can avoid the ban in the United States for now. While the deal with ByteDance, Oracle, and Walmart is still shrouded in some uncertainty, a federal judge has issued a temporary block on any government ban of the app in U.S. markets. An attorney representing TikTok in this case claimed that the need for free access to internet communication is more vital now than ever and considers this decision to be an important victory for the company. On the other side, lawyers defending the president's move to ban the app if it wasn't sold to an American company claim that the possibility of the Chinese government obtaining data from American users still presents a national security threat. As it stands now, the partnership will actually relinquish data gathered from American users to American-based corporations. However, the Chinese parent company still retains major ownership of the app and its algorithm. This recent decision that temporarily protects TikTok from a ban buys the company a little bit more time until the deal is set in stone. While Christians may disagree about how authorities should handle cases like this one, the ongoing battle over TikTok should remind us of the implication of the use of these internet platforms. 
Regardless of where you might stand on the issue, the potential for the use of someone's data and information to be used by the Chinese Communist Party, which has been shown to be guilty of many human rights abuses, should be a cause of concern. The last story this week is that weeks before the election, Facebook shuts down an alleged Russian military intelligence operation online. Facebook profiles with direct ties to Russian military personnel were discovered and shut down by the social media company on Thursday, September 24th. Facebook's cybersecurity team reported that foreign intelligence agents had created fake profiles in order to distribute content to further their country's political goals. Most of the material posted on these profiles were related to Russia's relations with its regional neighbors as well as some various Middle East countries, not the United States election. However, due to the sensitive nature of online information during this election season, Facebook banned the accounts out of an abundance of caution. Facebook also noted that accounts linked to the Russian-based troll group called the Internet Research Agency, or IRA, have also been banned. Profiles associated with this group have reportedly been tied to social media use in the 2016 presidential election. As we wade deeper into the election season, this will make participants on these platforms more susceptible to false information and propaganda that is closely aligned with their political identity. More than ever, this should cause Christians to use extra care and prudence on these online platforms and to be careful of the information that we share. Loving our neighbors requires us to uphold the dignity of all people as created in God's image and to put their value above their ideological leanings. In the context of social media activity, this means that we should only be sharing content that we know to be true and engage with others in a humble and praiseworthy manner. Well, from all of us here at Weekly Tech, I want to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed Weekly Tech, make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. And make sure to screenshot your review and send it to us at weeklytech at erlc.com along with your address, and we'll send you a special limited edition coffee mug from Weekly Tech. As a reminder, you can always check out the show notes for all of the links to the stories we talk about here on Weekly Tech in your podcasting app. And you can also get them directly in your inbox each week as part of the Weekly Tech newsletter. You can sign up for that newsletter at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. Thank you, and I hope you have a great week.